Hi, it's Alexa, and this is Savage Lifecast, because in a world full of chaos, loving yourself is a savage act. We're here to create conscious conversations around all the goods, all the important stuff, all the yummy stuff, life, love, spirituality, business. So let's all take a deep breath and get ready to pause, to breathe, and to savor it all. Let's go. Hi, Ram. Welcome back. I'm back. <laughs> yes! My secretly one of my favorites is back. I'm so glad that you're here on Savage Livecast. Yeah, it's... It's just amazing to sit down with you again. I had so much fun last time and so much has happened, so. So much has happened. Let's do it. Yes. Um, So can you just give everyone like a little debrief on who you are and what you do and what you're about? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Aram Arya. I am a strategy consultant and coach. Uh, I am a emerging um, human design expert. Um, so I want to hear a little bit more about the first part, because we talked quite a bit about human design last time, and I want to know a bit more about this kind of human mechanics and the more intentional manifesting that you are totally. offering us. So what's come together, uh, what's become clear uh, over the last six months for me personally is um, understanding and really just surrendering to my identity uh, as a coach. I've been resistant to the idea in this world of life coaches, of sports coaches, that I'm a coach. I've really resisted that my whole life. And actually, that's one of my superpowers. That's what I can do with people one-on-one as I've been practicing. What I can do with people one-on-one as I've been honing my skills, uh, particularly over this last year since my my own spiritual awakening, um, I think I've really come into my own and in my knowing of myself as a coach. Mm. And um, the story I told myself, it's a true story, but it's also a story, is that for most of my life I've, uh, I've known I've been a coach, but I've been trying to be a player. Mm. You know, hey. <laughs> okay. You know, it, totally. from the, from, you know, let's take me from a sports analogy, for instance, is you know I wanted to be the one in the game, not mm-hmm. on the sidelines. So that's what I was going after. But really understanding that my true identity is in um, inspiring uh, and magnifying the potential of other people is where I'm at my best. So. Um, what I'm calling my system now is master manifestation. And that also link, links together uh, all my experience as a designer, which was uh, intuitively manifesting things. And I really just want to show people what's possible with themselves, how they code their own intentions to create the reality that they want. Um, so good. Well, I I was just listening to one of my teachers, Danielle Laporte, today. She was talking about needs mm-hmm. and how, like, we all come onto this planet and we all have needs. Mm-hmm. And depending on your dogma, like, there's a different thing for that. You know, the Buddhists are like, don't have needs. And then the, like, whatevers are like, have this type of need. And if you have this type of need, it's a sin or this, this, that, and the other thing. And it's like, we're all walking around the planet with these needs. Mm-hmm. And whether or not we can actually create that and co-create that is where you come in. And that's a huge tool because regardless of whatever the dogma is that we've all subscribed to, we need food, we need shelter, we need the sustenance, we need the money to create those things. So like needs aren't bad. Mm. What we want is not bad. Um, at least in my book. Exactly. That's one of the first things we have to get over is being okay with wanting something. Jumping over that shame of am I good enough? Am I worthy enough? 
but I feel guilty if I even ask for what I want, right? So separating needs from wants is, is really important. Mm-hmm. Needs are food, mm-hmm. shelter, mm-hmm. clothing, and spirit, right? Um, that's what human design teaches, food, shelter, and protection, yeah. and spirit. I mean, you have to have an inspiration to do something, to be fulfilled without inspiration. Um, without inspiration, that's depression. But to get to what we want, we have to allow ourselves to want it. And that was a huge breakthrough for me personally, mm-hmm. is allowing myself to feel worthy of asking for help. Mm-hmm. For most of my life, I didn't feel worthy of asking for help. Why, why, should it be, why should it be okay that I ask for help? Why do I deserve you know, support with what I'm passionate about? You know? Yeah, how am I? Yeah, why, why, should I, why should that be okay? Mm-hmm. So one of the first things I, I teach around that block, um, which is one of the deepest truths that I've discovered through my own teacher, um, is what I call personal sovereignty, what he calls personal sovereignty. So it's really simple. <laughs> it's that because you're a sovereign being, because you're an individual, and you have ownership of yourself as a as separate from everyone else, you can ask for whatever you want because you're sovereign. Mm. Wow. I've never heard it said that way. How simple is that? It's totally simple. I'm a sovereign being, therefore I can ask for whatever I want. It's okay to want whatever I want. But the way we supercharge what we want is to attach abundance to it. If I want and it creates more, guess what? There's more. And if I attach more to what I want and that more then creates more opportunities for others or more opportunities to do my, to, for myself, mm-hmm. it, can just, it just keeps going. So good. Instead of what we do intuitively, which is I want to stop doing this. I need to stop doing that. Can you help me to stop do this? Stop doing this or that, right? Mm. So that doesn't work. What do you mean stop doing this or that? Like stop doing this pattern or stop doing... Right, okay, right. I need to stop drinking. I need to stop being a jerk to this person. Got it. Whatever it is you want to change becomes the focal point for our efforts, right? And it doesn't work. Totally. Because you just keep perpetuating and repeating it. Yeah. So starting with, I'm a sovereign being and I can want whatever I want. And I don't care how selfish that may seem, you know? Yeah. Um, You know, my partner and I just got miraculously, um, just got done calling in the house that we wanted to live in that we're renting right now. And if I told you that whole story, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. But I had to get really clear with my intention of why I wanted to live there. Because mm-hmm. it's a little, it's a little bit of a stretch for me right now. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why should I? Does this even smart? Should I be doing this? Why should I want that? Right. So I had to get really clear that I don't need this. Mm-hmm. I can sleep on somebody's floor and I can be just fine. Yeah. But if I have this, what am I going to do with it? Right. Well, I'm going to welcome people to it. Yeah. I'm going to use it as a vehicle to bring people together. I'm going to use it as an incubator to do what I'm going to do next. Yes. I'm going to always be in a state of gratitude when I'm there, which will call in more abundance, which will call in more reception, which will all lead to more fuel for my mission. Amen. Amen. I, I, I was talking about this in class the other day that like everything that we do and everything that we have, we don't actually do it necessarily because of the thing itself. We do it or have it because of the way that it makes us feel. And the way that we feel is like that gratitude piece that you're talking about of like, oh, I'm in my home. I feel grateful to be here. Like, it's not like you're obsessed with the home. It's like, it's the way, the feeling that it procures within you, which affects the way that you show up. And it affects the way that you interact with me and her and everybody else. And that's so powerful. So good. So if I were, if I were a client of yours, 
And we were talking about, okay, so sovereign being, I'm separate, therefore I can ask for what I want. Mm -hmm. Do you have any kind of guidelines as to what would potentially be like a next step in helping me manifest, let's say, a, a certain career? 100%. And and I think it's, you know, the words, kind of like how we started this conversation, the words we pick are are so important and they can be so polarizing. So the idea of sovereignty is is tricky because it it means not only, it it means separate, but it means uh, individual in an empowering way. Like no one else can affect your personal sovereignty. So in that way... It's not so much that we're separate, right? Or or we we need to call in a separation between us and others. It just means that your soul is sovereign. Mm. No matter what I do to you, Mm. or someone else does to you, we cannot touch your soul. (laughs) That's all it means. Love it. So starting with that, uh, yeah. So the first thing that we map out is what do we want? And this is from Abraham Hicks, this is from The Secret, this mm-hmm. is from all the, the basic how-to manuals of manifestation. It's like, okay, well, we have to decide what we want first. Yes. But there's a few keys and locks to that. The simplest one is that we want to project what we want into the future as if it's already done. Right? So I am healed. I have created X, Y, and Z. I'm already there. Right? Yeah. So adopting that mentality. But then we have to, the, the, the trickiest part is that we have to let go of attaching ourselves to how it happens mm-hmm. or when it happens. And this is really popular with uh, how Joe Dispenza right now talks about how you manifest things. It's mm-hmm. detaching the how and the when from the who and the what and the where. Mm. That's that non-attachment piece. Well, that's, <laughs> yeah, totally. That's, that's yeah. one. It's really a non-attachment of ultimately how I'm going to do it. Right. Because if you know what it is, what you want, you know who it involves, you know where it is, and you know exactly how to create it, then you don't need me or anybody else. You just do it. You have the full full package of what you want and the strategy, and then you're going to go attack it. Mm -hmm. Where people have difficulty, as we all do, we level up to a certain level, we achieve what we want to achieve, we create a new goal, And then we need help because we've never done that before. Mm. Totally. So what do you think is the biggest, besides like just the fact that it's never been done before, what do you think is the biggest barrier to people getting what they want, manifesting the life that they want, if there is one? Most of the time, it's that they're focused on what they don't want. Fuck. Most of the time, I focus on that shit a lot. <laughs> yeah, because, not a lie. And I, I learned this painfully in my life again yeah. and again uh, as I was trying to manifest things, and realizing that, you know, I'm working with someone right now who is trying to manifest money, but. Not well. Let me start again. She's trying to manifest the money that she needs. She has the higher purpose, mm-hmm. right? But she's trying to manifest the money to to, to solve or to uh, I can't think of the right word right now. She's trying to manifest the money to address the the fear of not having money. Ah. So if you're afraid of going broke, you're afraid of getting fired, you're, 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 you're in your job and you're trying to create money to deal with the fact that you're deathly afraid of, of not having resources, yeah. you're focused on the fact that you're covering up the fear yeah. rather than, I'm, I want this because I'm a sovereign being, I want this to create this because I'm going to do X, Y, and Z with it, yes. and that's going to create more opportunities, and then I'm just going to step into those new opportunities. It's amazing how fear fucks with you. I mean, like, here I am in the process of starting Savage, mm-hmm. chocolate brand, and it's like, I vacillate. Like, I've been, this has been such a long and drawn-out process, mm-hmm. and I'm so confident in my product. You've had it. I mean, it's not bad stuff. It's good stuff. 
And I think like the, the purpose of the brand is really meaningful and intentional. And I feel very like stoked to be offering that to the planet. And then fear gets to the way. And I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, what am I doing? Like, you don't know shit about this. You've never sold chocolate before. And it's like, I go into this full story around, well, I've never done this. So like, who the fuck am I? And like, I'm, I'm like a, a pretty intentional and like conscious individual. And I slip in there bad to the point where I'm like, okay, how much money have I spent on this? If I just let it go, am I going to be totally screwed? Like I vacillate. And it's, it's amazing how fear just takes over and getting out of that is not for sissies. Well, what you just described is the process that I work with people on directly, but you've also described a process of spiritual transformation too, which is let me, let me uproot let me get into the weeds of this because I don't actually know where the conflict is and the resistance is coming from. Right. I think it's, I need resources. I think I need to deal with this issue or whatever. Yeah. But when we start to manifest things, <clears throat> when we start to put our intentions into what we want and then unpack why perhaps it's not working, right. we have to expose our flaws mm-hmm. and see, oh, I, well, this, I actually only really wanted that because I have this story that I'm no good in this way, or I have this fear or this trauma, mm-hmm. right? That I'm actually trying to solve through this, this other thing. I move, you know, move the cheese over here, look over here. Right. 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 Well, and, and you talk about focusing on what you don't want. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've even said to you, like, I don't want to be teaching so much. <laughs> like, I don't want to be running around this city anymore. Teaching like a fucking crazy person. Yeah. So what are you calling into being by right. doing that? Oh, I mean, I yeah. can't tell you how many classes I turned down. Yeah. By the way, like people are constantly offering me classes. Like I know yoga teachers that are like, I would kill for more classes, and I'm like constantly saying no, and it's fascinating. Mm. Really How's, fascinating. How does saying no feel? Are you getting Are you getting good at saying no? I'm getting much better at it. I'm getting. I'm still uncomfortable, and I and I tend to pander when I say no. Like I give compliments or I, mm-hmm. you know, I, cause it just makes me squirm. So I used to not say no. Yeah. So, so what I'd say to you, instead of, <laughs> instead of, instead of, I need to teach less classes. Right. I need, I need to start saying no. I need to teach fewer classes. Right. I'd say how many classes are we teaching a month? Right. It's a great question. How many classes do you want to be teaching? Right. right. And if it's, and honey, if it's zero, yeah. Then you got to be honest with yeah. that to make the transition. Yeah. I think I probably want to be teaching two classes a week. Because yeah. I love teaching. Yeah, you're amazing. I just don't want to do it like I'm doing it. Because yeah. it just is like, and I, lo- and I love, you know, again, I love the retreats. Like, that's mm-hmm. so wonderful. I love the workshops. So wonderful. And I love all my classes. I really do. I, my physical body is not so in love with it. The hustle is no joke. Um, and yeah, I'm ready to teach two classes a week mm-hmm. and have a yeah. beautiful, thriving business. Right. So it's, it's often so clear for someone else to reflect to you what they see, right? Cause you're so close to it. Can I, can I just get out of this routine? Well, the only way to get out of a routine, right. Is to create a new routine. Right commit to it right Right. Eh. (laughs) (laughs) wow thanks for coaching me on my own podcast (laughs) but but, but I'm curious what's what's at the root of not being able to say no I mean to me my my observation of you is that yeah you you become an expert um, with what you teach you know, you led this amazing meditation before we started recording this for us to just drop in and get centered. Mm-hmm. It was so valuable. But uh, my intuition is that you actually get so much from teaching classes. I do. From the attention, from and, and all good, like, yeah. all the good vibes. Yeah. To express yourself as the artist that you are mm-hmm. in those ways. So where are you going to get that? Yeah. Well, I think I, I, I think you're completely correct. And I do get 
tremendous value and tremendous um, support from teaching. It's just, it's kind of like too much of a good thing sometimes is a bad thing. And I do, it, it does get exhausting. You know, it's like I think about it as when I was an actress and we would do eight shows a week. Right now I'm doing like 20 shows a week because it's an hour of me just talking storytelling. It's wonderful. It's me leading people through an experience. I'm trying to help people cultivate um, a more present and loving relationship to themselves. That's really, that's always been my intention as a teacher. And I try to create that vibe in the room. And that's really all actors are doing is they're telling a story. They're trying to evoke a specific sensation or feeling in their audience and tell a story. And, um, and I'm like, oh man, if I was doing 20 shows a week in New York, that would have been all, <laughs> would have been really blown out. <laughs> and, um, and I do feel like I could, I could be of more service if I was doing, doing less of it. Um, but still doing it because it does feed my soul. Mm-hmm. And I do love, I love it, you know, but it's, but it is a moment. Mm-hmm. I just, maybe, and maybe I just also need a second away from it being my main hustle. Yeah. Um, because it is tiring. Look, anyone who's an expert at anything can only do it for so long. Yeah. And then you need a break and reevaluate why am I doing this in the first place? I've ex- actually exceeded my goals yeah. in all of these ways. So now what? Seven year itch. That's what I'm <laughs> I've been teaching for seven years. It's really wild. And it's um, been the most profound and amazing and depthful experience ever. And, it, and I never, I, I really don't ever think I'll stop. But, um, but I am really looking forward to transitioning into something that also feeds my soul in a different way. And I think enables me to um, have my voice heard by more people mm-hmm. um, in a more use, not useful, because I think useful for me, like working smarter, not harder sort of thing. Um, and I know, obviously, with with Savage, I'll be working plenty hard, um, but it will be me, you know, holding meetings and like sitting in a chair and typing up emails, not like standing on my hands, <laughs> doing handstands, <laughs> like, you know, giving a talk at whatever event. So I'm just, I think it is time just to do a little less. And I think my body is definitely letting me know that it's time to do less. So that's, that's a thing. <laughs> I mean, and it's like with you and your, and your transformation, I mean, I, I really invite you guys, listeners, to listen to his previous podcast as well. Um, it's called This is Ascension. Um, highly recommend it, A, because of the wisdom, but B, just to also hear um, the shifts in everything that he's created in the past, how long ago was that? Was that January, like, February? Yeah, yeah, like what, like six or seven months ago, like no big deal. So transitions are they're constant, aren't they? Well, I like to, I like to, you know, poetically perhaps remind people that we're always in the process of becoming ourselves. Amen. So there are leaps that you make in life at different stages. And a lot of times those leaps have such a long story, right, running up to them. But then they, they finally appear, and you're like, oh, my God. And then, and then after you make that leap, everything changes. When you, when you remove that, whatever that was, yeah. whatever that thorn was, whatever that experience was, maybe it's just you didn't, have a, you didn't have enough, you didn't have a body of experiences that can, could have supported your vision until now. Those are the type of people that I love to work with that are so close. They just need one, two missing links and boom. Take off. Yeah, and that's probably the most inspiring thing for me is 
that I love working with individuals, but I love working with small teams too, because I feel like, cool. how, can, how can I do the most good? How, how can I do the most good? It's probably in, in small teams, because if it's a, a small company, or if even if it's a, a husband and wife relationship, mm-hmm. right? The collective understanding of co-manifestation that we can create in small teams has exponentially more value than working with one person. So good. Yeah, that's huge. I can only imagine also the, I mean, what you're, what you're coming up with now, like how you're in the flow with, with what you're teaching people about manifestation in relationship also to their human design and how they can affect each other. Um, can you remind us a little bit just for like new listeners, what is human design and how that could potentially correlate with how we show up and how we manifest? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I'll plug it right now. Yeah, plug it, baby. (laughs) So I'm doing a talk, uh, uh, an, an hour talk uh, Friday at 7 p.m. on October 18th to address that yeah. question, which is um, what is human design at Unplugged Med- Meditation in West Hollywood? Uh, they told me to say it's free for Unplugged members. It's $20 for non-members. Please come. Uh, yes. I'd, love to, I'd love to get into it. So I'll give you a little bit of a preview of some things I'm going to talk about there. The first is to answer, okay, what is human design? So I like to talk about human design this way. I believe it's the most powerful tool available to know yourself. And in knowing yourself, right, comes the awareness that if I do things this way, if I can channel myself more often, then it's a lot easier to create what I want. Fuck yeah. (laughs) So it's the combination of a lot of different things. The the textbook definition is that it's the the synthesis of uh, astrology, uh, Kabbalah, uh, chakra system and the most powerful piece of it which is the I Ching um, I love the I Ching getting deeper into the I Ching in terms of understanding what your destiny is and the sort of understanding the unalterable truths of how you are coded to be by the universe um, accepting the limitations of what being in a body is all about and then letting those superpowers from within your limitations flourish. That's what we can really unlock with human design. And then we, once we understand a little bit about our human design, then we can, oh my God, we have this new foundational empathy for understanding someone else. I'll give you a quick example. The man I was working with today. The man I was working with today, uh, basically human design gives you uh, at the most basic level, it gives you a way to make better decisions. It's that simple. If I'm making better decisions, I am potentiating more options, more possibilities that create abundance. So it's kind of like, it's kind of a, it's not a philosophy per se, but in the Buddhist way of thinking, right? It's basically saying, I'm my decisions. I cannot con- control the future. I, I can't go back to the past. All I have is right now. So if I make better decisions right now, oh my God, like, that's what I'm here to do. All I can do is control my decisions. So the man I was working with today, his authority uh, comes from going with his gut. Hmm. So the saying of like, well, I don't know what to do. Go with your gut, right? Mm -hmm. That's his go-to decider. We're supposed to not make decisions with our mind. In other words, we're supposed to take away the decision-making power of our brains Mm -hmm. and human design invites you to look at your brain as a central processor. Okay. So you have a complex problem. Maybe it's with your business, with Savage. You say, oh, these are are the options. So you let your brain work out all the options. Right. But you don't use logic to make a decision. You're going to use something else. Right for you is your emotions mm-hmm. for me is my emotions too nice. we're, we're going to feel into the wave of our emotion we're going to feel into the highs and the lows to get to our yes or our no's right? mm-hmm. that's really different than the man I was working with today who goes with his gut mm-hmm. so we have to have some empathy for him to know that he's going to know right now yes or no how he feels about something so jealous right fuck but then, <laughs> right 
<laughs> seems so easy. But then those people that go with their gut in terms of how they're wired to make decisions, they need to give people like us a little space because we're like, oh, bro, I got I to gotta feel into this. Second. I need a minute. I, mean, I need to sleep on it. I got to yeah. feel into this. My, I might need three seconds, but I just I need a minute. Fascinating. So understanding if you or your partner or your business partner is different than you. I was just going to say, like, imagine being it's in a, a partnership like that. It's a revelation. Yeah, that's It's huge. a revelation, so it's nuts. Wow. Do but you and then, your partner have the same? No, she has a really unusual authority. What's hers? Hers is called the sounding board. Okay. Which means that she needs, in order to make her best decision, this isn't, this isn't like, you know, what kind of coffee do I want to drink today? Right. This is, this is important decisions right. that affect your life. So her authority, which is called sounding board, means that she needs to create a sounding board for herself. Sometimes it's me or it's trusted people in her life. So right. she needs to simply speak her thought process to them so that, that she can hear it bounce off of them back to her. That's so cool. And then have a realization. Wow. How many are there? How many options for it? There's all, there's, I have to look, but there's nine or ten. Yeah, there's there's sort of three or four primary ones and then yeah. some that are much less common. But the less common ones are often a revelation for, you know, there's that word again, for, for people that, um, for people that don't necessarily fit into society in certain ways and then for, it, it's a huge relief for them to understand that they're, just wired differently but so that's one answer it's one long-winded answer about human design no that's so good we need all the answers yeah there's yeah. and so here's here's kind of what i'm going to talk about um in a, in a few weeks um i'll try to keep this succinct it goes like this Please. so we have bodies right that are made of matter and dna right and then we have a soul, right, that inhabits the body, and that soul has its own sovereignty, right, because we're only renting this car as long as it's alive. It's on loan for a short while. Right? But then there's the third factor, and that's what human design is. That body, when you were born, was coded by the astrological imprint of the universe at that moment. And that takes your body, which came from your mom and your dad, right, as sort of a a template, but a very unique template that's never existed before. Mm -hmm. And then is coded in such a way by the cosmos right now in, in such a way that's never been before. And then your spirit can jump into that car. So there's two factors that make you, well, three actually, that make you 100% unique. There's your eternal soul. There's the coding of that moment you were born. And then the DNA that was coded. So fucking cool. <laughs> It is. I think that's really amazing to think of it that way. I don't think you talked about that last time you were here. Definitely not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I dig that. I've been trying to explain it um, in a non-spiritual way because the whole point of human design is that Ra'uru talked about it as a mechanical tool for awakening. I was just going to say, I feel like a computer, the way you just, like, described yeah. that. I was like, I'm, yeah. yeah, like a piece of hardware. So instead of needing to have a spiritual awakening, what if you just got a better toolkit to make decisions and be yourself? And then in so doing, you realize that there was something much greater going on. So we put the results ahead of the realization. So you don't have to believe anything. Just just use it. It's like, I was thinking about this analogy the other day. It's like, if you want to go to a great restaurant, right? Mm -hmm. You don't need to know anything about 300 years of French cooking theory, right? <laughs> that got be really boring. Would you like to like sit down and eat the food? Right. Eat the food. Just eat it. Do you like it? Is it delicious? Are you curious? <laughs> Are you curious about this? Right. It's kind of like that. Wow. You both said. <laughs> It's so true. We're like overworking it rather than just practicing it. Yeah. That's so cool. And you're certainly proof of your own pudding. <laughs> you're making it happen. <laughs> it's so cool. 
Um, who are your, so I'd just like to see, I'm sure this has shifted since the last time we spoke about this, but like, who are your teachers right now? Who's helping you along your process and who's helping you transform, continue to change and mm -hmm. be more you? That's a great question. I will keep their identities secret, but in terms of, um, you know, I've been doing, I've been doing men's work for going on three years now. And, um, the, the network of individuals that I've met through my men's work uh, have been invaluable yes. in, in honing in on a lot of what we've talked about today in their own way. Um, several really incredible mentors have, have appeared. Um, I have one uh, shamanic mentor that I do. I've been really open about my transformations through using sacred plant medicines responsibly and intentionally of course um, so there's one man there who's been probably the biggest influence you know on my life <laughs> yeah. to this point arguably even in the small doses uh, that we've spent together and and as a coach in order to get right with the philosophy of my own coaching it means I have to get vulnerable and get coached and 100%. so I found um, just in the last couple of months um, a man who I'm going to lean on to do that and he's it's miraculous he's just he's uniquely suited to help me and um, it's, it's just kind of this is sort of like the, the ancient way of thinking about it mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of like you know when you're ready and you ask for help you know the teacher does appear. Mm -hmm. But then they're probably not going to stick around for your whole life. They might only appear to help you with what you need right now or this phase of development. Mm -hmm. And like like kind of like you were describing with, with Savage, you know, I went through most of my life, like most of us do, certain that I had to do this alone. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Yeah, I didn't know there. I didn't know it was in our, you know, in our culture. I didn't. I wasn't comfortable with myself enough to be able to ask for help in the right way. Right. And when I started to do that, I started to do more of it, and I sort of realized, oh, you know, we're all training to be leaders. Beautiful. You know, that's what. That's what we do. Yeah, I thought of so many tangents, but... Same. <laughs> um, you were talking about, like, the teacher and how they sometimes don't stick around. Mm. And I think that that is, like, the true definition of a soulmate. Like, I think that soulmates are, like, our greatest teachers, whether they come in the form of, like, a hired mentor or whether they come in, in the form of like a partner who wakes us the fuck up to our stuff, or they come as a parent. I think we get several, and I don't think that they're supposed to stick around forever. Right. I think that that'd be too painful. It'd be just, <laughs> they'd be like... Well, it's just so rare. Nope. Yeah, totally. Oh, 100%. I have a few that I think of so fondly that you know people that I don't even have relationships to anymore that like taught me some of the hardest lessons I've ever you know I had a falling out with a friend a few years not even a few years ago like a year ago and it was it would it was so wild because it was like this wild domino effect where like I fell out of friendship with her and then four other people were like bye because I'm taking her side and it was like such a moment in learning that no matter how pleasing I am, people are still going to have their opinion. And all I can do is be the most authentic version of myself and show up and be honest and let people come and go as they please. Exactly. And know that I don't need validation from this person, place, or thing in order to make that completely true. 
and she's like one of the greatest teachers I ever had. I, I think of her so fondly, but have I spoken to her in the last year? No. Probably never will again. Yeah, it makes me think of influential people in my life who you know, deserve a letter. <laughs> totally. <laughs> if, if, I could, if I could relocate them, you know. Yeah. Right. Which you can. Which you can. Yeah. Facebook and all that. <laughs> Instagram, perhaps, LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, well, is there, I want, it's already been 42 minutes and I don't know how that happened. So can, is there anything else? Let's keep you, going. Yeah. This movie is a three hour podcast. Um, is there anything else that you want us to know about you? I want, I want people to know all the things. Talk to me. About me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. About you or about messages that you want to share right now or what you feel inspired to share. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you made me think of something just now and talking about, um, talking about realizing the code of behavior that was authentic that you were going to do in that situation with your friend Mm -hmm. and and be okay with no matter, like let the chips fall where they may. Yeah. Right. So something I just read, that was really inspiring uh, last night, actually I was working on some stuff and, you know, it basically said that to be awakened, to be aware really means that moment by moment you have an opportunity to commit to higher principles that instruct right action. That's what being awake, you know, people yeah. like, oh, they're so, you know, that person is woke or people, people yeah. use that word a lot. Yeah. Okay, that, that's good. That means like right. they have a higher vantage point of this issue, fantastic. But I think the ultimate point is when you can see a, sep- a situation, separate yourself from it, have already committed to the higher principles that guide your action, see it all happen, n- not get swept up in the emotional magnets. So do, hard. Do it. Do it and be okay with what happens. Fuck. If you can do that, you've mastered it. That's that letting go piece. For me, like I think about, I get, I do get really swept up in the emotionality of it. And it's like, I want to fix it or I want to, there's that, there's that blueprint in me that is definitely coded in me around. And I think it's on some level in a lot of us biologically feeling safe by being liked by others. And so that rejection in any form feels so unsafe. And especially coming from the family that I came from, the people pleasing was serious. Um, And yeah, that that coding is, that's real. And the people pleasing thing is something that so many people, it's so common. It's so normal yeah. as, a, as a coping mechanism that people learn from a young age to deal with very difficult families. Exactly. It's, it's just so normal. Yeah. That positive reinforcement too. Like, oh, wow. Okay, when I am in this situation and I act this way, I get this result. And then this way, I get that result. So I'll go with the people-pleasing one because I get a much better result that way. Right. So it's reinforced constantly. Totally. It's a culture. So fascinating. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that kind of reminds me of, yeah. on a high level, what I like to repeat to people I work with or people that I meet that are on the spiritual path is just to remind you that all the pain that you're experiencing, all the resistance you experience, all of it can ultimately be traced to identifying with self, identifying especially with a former self that's not actually here anymore. Most common example could be something like this, like, you know, you are, now you're on your own and you're successful, but when you go home and have to deal with your parents, everyone shifts into those old roles. Oh yeah, right? major. I mean, everybody can relate to that. Yeah. So, you know, this is another teaching from, um, you know, probably my biggest influence personally, 
you know, he's like, oh, you think you're spiritually enlightened? Like, go spend a weekend with your parents. Yeah, 100%. And, and you know when you've done it because this is what happens. Yeah. When you're there, you no longer identify them as your parents. You no longer identify as the child or the teenager. You just see them as people. Right. And you just see yourself as someone who is conditioned through that period. Yes. And if you can detach from all of those identities and see the situation, yeah. you can be 100% fine mm. with whatever outcome happens. You're completely right. And I, I feel like I'm stepping into that now with my family. And of course, triggers happen. And of course, things happen. But like it, like my relationship with my sister has completely shifted since I've dropped the mask. And like, what a profound, profound gift. You know, our siblings are like the people that will probably stick around the longest as far as family members go. And there was a time where we didn't speak. And so that, talk about teacher, you know, just to see them as people. Because I did, I slept in, I slept in, I swept into um, these roles. I was the little annoying sister who never followed through with shit, which like, you know me, like, I'm like, I follow through, like, I'm intense. I'm like a go-getter. I'm like up at you know, 5.45 in the morning, every morning, and I, you know, do a whole day, and it's, I'm very intentional, but with my family, that was the dynamic, that I was the annoying little girl who was always crazy and ADD and, <laughs> and couldn't follow through. And that story's dead, and I'm glad. Who were you and your family? Oh, I was uh, perfect. Yeah, I did never did anything wrong. Ooh, golden I, child. Yep. Great. Yeah, I was uh, the favorite child. Um, even when I did break the rules, uh, it didn't matter because I got good grades. Um, so yeah, but for me, the perfectionist streak mm -hmm. uh, still. Pressure still there <laughs> totally. these things don't necessarily go away but it's yeah. like we can be observers of them yeah wow. yeah but I was also um, you know my parents um, both my parents and my sister are both in a lot of ways quite introverted um, so because of their own introversion I was actually granted so much freedom hmm <laughs> You know, to, I was never control. I mean, basically never controlled. Wow. You know, which sounds like amazing. You know, but um, you no, know, no boundaries though. Yeah, yeah. I made. I, I learned. I you know. That resulted in learning everything the hard way. <laughs> totally. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, bad experiment after bad experiment. Oops. You know. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Wow. That's great though, but you still, and you still, you still managed it well, it sounds like. You know, if you still mm. went to school and did the things, <laughs> it's amazing. Well, I think that, you know, the other thing that I'll, the other thing that came up from while you are talking too is, yeah. is like this, you know, how do we disidentify with something so that we can adopt, you know, a new identity to do something new and that, you know, that's, I'm not allowed to do that though. I'd be an imposter. Right. 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 I can't. I can't be some. How do I be someone else? I'll be faking it. Right? But I think you know we go through these phases where our ego only gets us so far. Right. You probably had an experience sometime in your first thirty years where everything, you every ounce of you was working towards a goal, and then all of a sudden everything stopped working your job, your relationship, your family, whatever, whatever happened and it stopped working and you probably wanted to die uh -huh. and you probably thought about even killing yourself because everything stopped working. Right. 
So when that happens, you don't want to die. Right. Of course. You don't. But the ego does. Right. Because that program of self-identity has reached its limit and it's no longer working. So we have to let it go. We have to, we, we have to sometimes destroy it, you know, to take the next step to, yeah. to adopt a new, better, maybe not perfect, but better ego version of ourselves to adopt a new set of problems. And, and that's just the cycle of becoming who you are. So a lot of people I work with come to me, uh, you know, I'm 40. A lot of people I work with come to me somewhere between their early 30s and mid 40s because we're right up against confronting the fact that nothing makes sense anymore. The ego that's gotten us to this point, no matter how successful we've been, just isn't working. Yes. (laughs) I'm 32. Yes. (laughs) So how do we do that? So how do we do that? right? Right. Because if we're focused on the problem, the problem will persist. So that's why I preach to people fantasy fulfillment, Mm. right? Well, what fantasy, because we're not allowed to have fantasy, that's bad, right? But what fantasy do you want to have to step into to create? Because through fantasy fulfillment, as long as it has a higher purpose, as long as it, it does some good, you know, even if your fantasy means that you have to throw your whole life away, probably necessary if that fantasy is screaming at you and in fulfilling that fantasy with any of the fulfilling that fantasy with the help of these new tools yes right we'll get you have to start creating things you have to start creating new things to separate Fuck. So well said. Scary. Yeah. But exciting. And that's why we need you. <laughs> so you offer a lot of support and um, and a lot of tools. Where can we find you? So you can find me on my website, aramarya.org. You can find me on Instagram. My handle is the same, A-H-R-A-M-A-R-Y-A. Or at my human design blog, Human Design Tribe, on Instagram. Boom. <laughs> and um, we'll see you October 18th at Unplug Meditation in West Hollywood, California, at 7 p.m. I'm so excited. See you then. All right. Bye, you guys. Thanks for listening. <laughs>